we'll touch on it briefly. Briefly, not like not like underwear. <laughs> not those kind of briefs. Hey, what's up, banter fans? It is uh, Mike and Eric with you here on Bible and Banter, and we have a jam-packed show for you here today. Uh, we just ask that if uh, if uh, you like the show, give us a like, share. Follow us on all those things that you see at the bottom of our screen. You can follow us on Facebook, Apple Podcasts, and you can join the Banter Club where you get a whole bunch of goodies at patreon.com forward slash Bible Banter. I think that's it. Unless well, we, need to find, we need to find some sponsors, Mike. It's true. Will you sponsor us? No. Well, Blessed Hope Fellow, is it Blessed Hope Church or Blessed Hope Fellowship? Blessed Hope Church. Blessed Hope Advent Christian Church officially, but. We uh, we're hip and we don't use the denominational tag. Be hack, be hack. <laughs> and I'll tell you what: if you drink that moxie, you'll be hacking all day. Oh man, ha. man! I'm sorry to all the folks that are members over at Be Hack for what I just said. Oh, they they don't listen. So, you, so you're saying that you're hip, so you, you, you've dropped the denominational tag. Because if you were really hip, you would go with one of these cool, like, hipster names. Um, what, what's, a, what's a cool hipster name? Missional hip. Community Church. Missional Community Church. Are, are you hating on my boy, uh, Jeff Vanderstelt? I love Jeff Vanderstelt and, and the people over at Soma. <laughs> I mean, Soma, that's a pretty, that's a pretty hip name. <laughs> that is pretty hip, but it comes from a Greek word. <laughs> Yeah. Koinonia um, Church. Koinonia Church. Yeah. I guess that's that's like the new thing nowadays is to use Greek words in yeah. um and, and use them as the church name. And don't even like don't even say church, just say Koinonia. And, and every group that you have every ministry in your church has to have a Greek name. Like your small groups are Koinonia groups. Okay. So so if you are coin so if you are Koinonia, the church, then yeah. You must brand your small groups as Koinonia groups, is what sure. you're saying. Sure. So do you? So do you have small groups at your church? We do. Do you call them Blessed Hope groups? No. You call them B hacks? <laughs> no. No, we just call them small groups. Oh, um, like, that's, no, that's no, lame. No community group. No, you know, I don't know what are the other cool names for cell groups. So. We're, we're talking about um, rolling out some some small groups here at our church because you know, hey, COVID uh, is a great way to try these types of things, and yeah. we're calling them community groups. Ooh, ooh, yeah, exactly. You know why? Why to breed community? You big dummy, <sighs> man! You're so you're so in tune with the times. <laughs> in fact it was kind of funny uh you got on i was busy like uploading something on on instagram and and you're like oh man you're so hip being on instagram I was like literally i i do like two instagram posts uh, uh once in like a day and then i don't post for a month uh yeah. and then the first thing that what was the first thing that popped into your newsfeed as you opened up your instagram you had a black and white face doing a duck face and a peace sign <laughs> I, I marvel. <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag bearded and beard. 
<laughs> Bearded is beautiful. Grow up a mushroom mustache to cover <laughs> up the knuckles. So uh, the reason the reason I I did that right the black and white photo is going around Facebook. I don't know. Has your wife done this? Taking like the black and white photo, put it on Instagram or Facebook, and then done like hashtag. No, uh, no, my wife was not into curating her social media life. She just shares what what happens and and everything. So no, no so. So Erica is not hip. No, and I'm thankful for that. <laughs> we were just talking about before we came on air how grateful we are for our wives. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And Mike, you had a really uh, funny joke in which we were talking about how um, our, our wives being our helpmates, but sometimes you said they are – you said sometimes okay. they are <laughs> – they are pains in our side. Pains in our side. That was that was a a reference to the creation account. I thought our pre-show discussions were safe place, man. Yeah, but that was funny. <laughs> now you know how Luke feels. Uh, in fact, before we got on air, I had a great conversation with Luke. Um, oh, nice. Oh, yeah. he's still around. Okay. He's, he's alive. Today was his first day back at work, uh, back from his three-week vacation. And um, he's not listening to the show. He had a meeting at 2 o'clock, but he said he'll listen later. So shout out to, to Lukey Pukey. We miss you, bud. We'll see you next week. Mike has been he – even he commented on how great of a stand-in you've been, Mike. Um, oh, that's how great. He was talking about how great you were on the show that I was afraid he was about to tell me that he was going to leave the show <laughs> in favor of you. So I'm thankful that that was not the um, case. However, if Luke were to leave the show or if I were to leave the show, Mike, you would be a tremendous um, person to take on the helm. Is that a fat joke? Yes. <laughs> um, and Nathaniel Bickford, you are not wrong. <laughs> <laughs> totally and i think we did mention how we are pains in our wives so 100 percent. yeah so uh so mike i discovered a new show last night i don't think we talked about this before we came on air was it the chosen no um are you saying that because you're trying to set me off again um i haven't seen the chosen although i probably need to watch it nathaniel hated the first episode or two that he watched wrote an article about it and everyone told him how awful he is and how how pretty much Nathaniel should never talk again um, about anything. So um, shout out to Nathaniel for writing that article. And I don't know if he's ever, if he's ever finished watching the series, it costs money. So probably not. Um, not that Nathaniel's cheap or anything, just why invest in something? There's, that you know there's better uses of your money. Probably. Probably Glenn Neal talking about fruit tales, man. Um, no, I did not discover Fruit Tales. I no. So when I was a kid, there was one show that I loved, and I bet you loved it too, Mike. Okay. Whose line is it anyway? Yes, I actually was some old clips of that the other day. Yeah, yeah. So Robin and I started watching a couple episodes last night when I got home, and uh, we were gonna just go and watch The Office because mm -hmm. why not watch it for the mm hundredth -hmm. time? And I and it showed up. It popped up on Hulu. Uh, you know. Whose lines it anyway? It looks like a revamped version. So we decided to watch it. Have you seen the new episodes of of Whose Line? I, I have not. So the first episode we watched was fairly, I wouldn't say it's risque, but certainly there were sexual innu innuendos in almost every single skit they did. Mm -hmm. Um 
which uh, which I'm not totally against. Like I'm a grown up, I can discern. Uh, it, it wasn't out of taste. I don't like. It wasn't something that that was gross in any way. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, but I just thought, like, I went to bed thinking, was this is this the same whose line that I watched 20 years ago when I was a kid? <laughs> you know, like like I like if it was, I missed all of these. Um, right, and- right, and I would say probably not. Um, Because I find today, and don't get me wrong, I am, I, especially depending on, you know, audience, but I'm not afraid to go to the lowest common denominator of humor Mm -hmm. to just at least break the ice. Mm -hmm. But fart jokes are okay. Right. But at the end of the day, really our culture, if you're not making sexual innuendo or, or swearing really in your humor, then then they're not, it's, you're, not, you're not doing what you need to do. Well, what I did appreciate about them was, it, I mean, there was no swearing or foul language. At least I wasn't. Uh, again, I don't get offended by anything, so it's hard for me to gauge those things, which is hard for me to make recommendations on anything. Um, but, uh, you know, I could tolerate a little bit of sexual innu- innuendo here and there. Um, when Because there were just, you know, who, the, who, the, who do you remember being the funniest person on whose line? Probably um, Colin. What's his? What was his last name? He and Ryan Style was it Ryan yeah. Style? Ryan Styles is the tall guy, right? Yeah. And then his buddy, the guy that the bald guy, Colin. I would say yeah. he was. And Wayne Brady wasn't too bad, but I would say um, Colin was my my favorite. And then a close second was Ryan. Yeah. So so they're still on the show on the new one, and so oh, is Wayne okay. Brady. So it was Wayne Brady. And I legit thought, like I walked away, like walked away from watching that last night and thought Wayne Brady is one of the most funniest people. I I, I just love watching Wayne Brady. Mm-hmm. So never yeah. he's no, he is funny. Um so anyway, we got a jam pack show. We want to talk a little banter a little bit back and forth about some of this stuff. Ryan Styles by far, Josh Rice. I think I you know I think this show is one of those things that it's kind of like the office, except I think it goes even further. I think even more people like whose line is it anyway, if not for the sheer fact it's had over 20 seasons. So like, I I remember watching it with Drew Carey, man, and it was just awesome. And I think that was at the same time where the Drew Carey show was going on. Did you ever Mm -hmm. ever watch the Drew Carey show? A little bit, not, not overly invested, but yeah. Okay. I watched one. See, I was a very lonely child. I didn't have a lot of friends um, when I was little and we didn't have a lot of neighbors. So my greatest friend was the television. So, Mine too. Yeah. I really? Used, yeah. I used to let, just leave it on because I couldn't fall asleep without it running in the background. I'd like set a timer even. Man, that's, that's legit. See, I wasn't, I don't know if, no, I, I ended up falling asleep with the radio. Um, it was mostly white noise, but uh, but I would I would counsel not to let your children have electronic devices in their room. I would say that that was that was not a good choice on my parents' part to let me have a TV in my room. Because mm, you stay and up. I love my parents. No, I've never been a stay up all night because I enjoy sleep. Like my one of my favorite part of the day is to just crawl into bed and be comfy and fall asleep. I echo the same thing. Like, I had a lot of access to television and whatnot. Um, we try to put limits in our house as far as watch TV, everyone can watch. Um, but 
that. Anyway, anyway, mm-hmm. whose line? One of one of my. It's a classic. I want to give it that is a classic. Story. That's a good choice for a classic. Yeah. I want to see if there's another way I can watch it. Um, Brian Bowden poking the bear says, I've never seen any of these. Don't watch much TV except some VeggieTales. Brian, I love you. Well played, sir. This is well played. (laughs) Um, Glenn says, watch the clip of Ryan Stiles breaking the light on the front of Drew Carey's desk. I was crying with laughter. I'm not sure if he's talking about the Drew Carey show or if he's talking whose line. Um, Probably whose line. line. Okay. Wayne Brady is hosting Let's Make a Deal, and Drew Carey took over The Price is Right from Bob Barker. Yep, I knew that. Um, to be honest, I haven't watched The Price is Right since I stopped going to, to school uh, as a kid because the only time I watched Price is Right was when I was a kid and got to stay home from school. Mm-hmm. That and Jerry yep. Springer. <laughs> um, that, that's why you should not let your kids watch TV all that much. Um, right. They don't get the most edifying thing. So anyway, we got a we got a few things. So we're we were gonna quickly let's do this briefly. Touch on we talked a little bit about our podcast from Tuesday and the whole um, controversy between Grace Community Church and um, Nine Marks folks. So we got that. We're gonna talk about that for about five minutes. Um, then we're gonna move into Supreme Court justices, which is gonna be I think is gonna be really exciting for us to talk about. And then from there, we are going to conclude with Lou Going's most recent article talking about how he I love the article, man. Like it is such a wonderful article. Not only um does he exegete scripture, um, gives a defense of conditional immortality, um, but he also incorporates uh Tolkien's The Hobbit. So, mm-hmm. uh, it's on all cylinders. Yes, this is. Uh, we need Lou. Uh, ha- hashtag. Uh, we need uh, draft Lou. Hashtag draft Lou and get Lou to write more articles. Um, phenomenal. Hashtag draft Lou. I don't think he's on social media, so he won't see it. But we'll know. You know what? It, you know what I was thinking when he when he when I started reading that. I'm like. This is kind of like what I wanted Chris Date to do, to go through like how he's morphed into and, and how he wrestled with the arguments. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think something like that is so helpful. I shared it with uh, the people in my church, and, and one individual um, has been kind of wrestling with our theology and everything and found that article and the way it's written super helpful. Mm-hmm. Um, not that it's brought them all the way, but it's caused them to want to dig deeper and really wrestle with, with things and they may not come out on our side, but hearing stories like that and, and someone's actual travel uh, mm-hmm. through the arguments is super helpful. Well, stories Rather are a powerful instrument. On it. Yeah, stories are a powerful instrument um, yeah. to, to carry on truth. So um, Lou does a tremendous job. If you haven't already, go read that article. Um, not right now. Wait till the show is over. Um, but that's found on AdventChristianVoices.com. That's AdventChristianVoices.com. Com. You can also find it in the newsfeed of, of Advent Christian Voices. If you don't subscribe, you should. Um, I don't know why you hate America if you don't subscribe. Anyway, talking about hating America, let's talk about Grace Community Church and <laughs> Nine Marks. 
<laughs> so, um, so yeah, you said you had a few thoughts that kind of evolved from um, since our conversation on Tuesday, and I would say mine have as well. So I watched I watched a J Max interview that was like three minutes long on Tucker Carlson. I hardly ever watch the news, never mind Fox News and Tucker Carlson. Not for any political reasons, I just don't. But mm-hmm. to watch those three minutes um, inspired me, and it made me so so grateful for Johnny Mac. In, in his work, uh, although I still disagree in some aspects, I, I, I thought mm. it really helped me. Um, so go ahead. I, I watched that. No, I would say I, I'm not. My thoughts haven't morphed, but I'm, I'm feeling a bit more in flux than I originally was. Like I was solid, like, get out of here, Makatha. I appreciate your thoughts. But <laughs> at the end of the day, you're, you're laying too much on the, the, the universal church. You're in uh, in the United States than you need to be, and I I still feel that way, but I'm I'm finding myself much more sympathetic and and starting to think, yeah, maybe I'm being too relaxed about this. Should we? What do, and yeah, I'm with you, man. So Ken Caesar, does he have authority to tell us how we can worship God? And that's the crux of the question, right? Right. And I think in for MacArthur and others, they're saying, I I. Uh, Obviously, they started. They started um, when COVID happened. They started a few weeks with really nothing. They did. They did nothing. Then MacArthur started preaching um, to an empty sanctuary, and they streamed it online. So mm-hmm. they took. They took. Um, they implemented some policies or some measures to to protect people. And then they came to a place where people just started coming. That's what he expressed. It was either in Tucker Carlson or elsewhere. He said people just started showing up. So what, what am I to do? People just started showing up. And I'm not going to tell them that they can't be there. They're here to worship the Lord. So that's what we've done. Well, praise God for that. Praise God for that conviction. Um, we have the opportunity to do that outside at my church. Um, you might not have that opportunity. Well, continue to, to praise God and worship him in the way that you can. Um, I still walk away from the nine mark stuff. And, and he, what I hear from them is, oh, that's great. Johnny Mac, Grace Community Church, keep doing what you're doing. Um, we're just asking to um, show grace in these matters, right? Mm-hmm. We might come to a different conclusion. But on the other hand, when you hear John MacArthur, when you hear Grace Community um, and the elders there say, Caesar has no authority over us when it comes to the worship of our God. And any exercise of him, of civil authority over the church, is, is damnable. In, in essence, that it is our responsibility to protest against it. I'm sympathetic. I don't know if I, ad- I agree. Mm. I guess I'm evolving and wrestling with this quite like our good friend Lee going in uh, had with conditional immortality. Yeah. Cause I, I feel like my, my let's go to war part of me is like, yeah, how dare you? <laughs> how yeah. dare you? But at the, at the same time, um, it, you know, one guy I read took, you know, took a, a shot at Lehman, um, who kind of said, you know, is this the hill we want to storm or should we wait till the inevitable LGBTQ stand that we're eventually going to have to take? Mm-hmm. Um, and so this guy kind of, you know, took him to task about, you know, why not? They're, they're both biblical issues. Mm-hmm. They're, they're both authority issues. And so I, I just, I guess I'm wrestling with, is there a way to still honor God and allow the governing authorities to speak into what you're doing. 
Mm-hmm. And, and so, you know, I, as I mentioned before, unfortunately, COVID has become a political issue rather than a public health issue. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, and, and to each his own, you're going to choose what, and we're going to talk about this a little bit, you're going to choose what voices, credible or uncredible voices you want to listen to. I'm not here to say, you know, this, that, or the other thing, but there's something going on that that's taking people's lives and whatever conspiracies or non-conspiracies, that's not the point. And, but- and, and for some people, um, for some people, the most credible doctors in the midst of COVID are those who subscribe to the theory that um, all uh, essentially uh, gynecological and erectile uh, dysfunctions um, come from uh, sex demons that come into your dreams and right. Uh, you know, these right. are the doctors that we're taking advice from. Right. So, so, so if you look at it more as a public health, then, okay, the, the government is saying that this is dangerous and this is what we think is best to protect people all around. And, and we can get into the, the minutia of all of that. But at the end of the day, I think we want to do what we believe is best to protect people overall. Right. Um, no, I, I thought but again, if you don't trust the government at all and it's all just a sham a satanic attack on the church, then I understand why you wouldn't buy into any of the, the public, even the public health stuff, the loving your neighbor type of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so there, there's some assumptions or viewpoints that you've taken that have led you to believe that this is the time to civilly disobey. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then I, I look at what we say to you know, the Chinese church who, you know, um, you know, they say you can't worship out in public, you know, and would we call them cowards to then saying, okay, then we'll worship in private. Or should they stand up and say, no, how dare you tell us we can't worship in public wherever we want? Mm-hmm. Are we saying that they're not, they're allowing Caesar to inhibit their worship of God? No, they're kind of finding a way around things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's one of those, you know, I think one of it, one of the things that influences how we think about it here in America is that for many, um, especially many older evangelicals, I find, uh, have long believed that America is the new Jerusalem um, Mm and the new Jerusalem of Christianity, which just is not the case. Like you can't find that in the scriptures. So it's a challenge, man. So if you if you do think that America is God's chosen nation, then of course you're going to fight quite like um, Grace Community has. But if you recognize that, well, by God's grace, America has been established and ha- and Christianity has benefited greatly from it. But it's not uniquely a Christian nation. There's no such there is no such thing as a Christian nation. It's mm-hmm. it's you can't find that in the scriptures. Right. So um, there is a Jewish nation, um, mm-hmm. but that's a whole other story. We're not going to get into the theology of that. Um, today, but uh, there's no such thing as a Christian nation. So we can fight for uh, for what we believe to be our rights here in America, and I'm not saying that we shouldn't. Maybe we should. Um, but I can tell you, and this will get into our, our, our next topic with SCOTUS, is our attempts on the Christian right um, in, in popular, evangelical, popular evangelicalism has been we need to achieve greater autonomy and greater religious freedom um, mm-hmm. for Christians. Therefore, the best way to accomplish that is to elect um, presidents who will put conservative justices on the Supreme Court. Mike, how has that worked out for us? 
poorly, at least over the last six months. Uh, That's impossible, Mike. It could not have turned out poorly. We have a Republican president who's Um, appointed two Supreme Court justices. (laughs) Unfortunately, uh, you can't control human nature or, or the minutia of where people stand. We make a lot of assumptions when we, we put people into positions that they think 110% the same way we do, mm-hmm. especially when law is open to interpretation. Mm-hmm. So there were a few big issues, right? So there are a few big issues. The, the reason we won't, the reason that many in, in, um, in, listen, I've been a part of this, right? I have perpetuated this uh, as a Christian where, you? where it's important for us to, um, to vote a certain way so that we can get the Supreme Court justices that are going to achieve a certain ends, right? So that ends um, largely surrounds abortion. I have long said, and I still firmly hold, I will not vote for someone who is pro-murdering babies. That, mm-hmm. that is the, the single issue. The, I will vote for the uh, abolition of murdering babies um, in exchange for persecution of Christians any day of the week. Um, that's just to me we are promised persecution mm-hmm. <laughs> so we should we should kind of invite it you know um but on the other hand m- the murdering of the unborn is an abominable thing it is a black mark and stain on our country so that's mm-hmm. one thing right so that's one thing um what's another thing mike that we have long held to be a a core principle of uh, of voting for Usually Republican presidents. I don't know if this really applies, but it came to my mind earlier (laughs) that the Constitution is inspired like the word of God. Wait, who said that? Nobody says it. Oh, okay. But we treat it as such. Right. Like we we conflate the Bill of Rights and the Constitution as if, you know, they are the, the scriptures, as if. Uh, you know, my right to bear arms is, is, is commanded by God. Um, no, but it's commanded by, by the, our forefathers, our, our founding fathers. So are you saying, are you, do you hate guns right now? No, I, I do not hate guns. However, I will not lay down. I will not lay down. I probably wouldn't lay down my life to have them. Okay. If that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, so you take your second amendment lightly. Uh, lightly. Okay. All right. Yeah. I take it a little bit more seriously. Um, I'll take, I, the, I'll take, I, I do take the first amendment, especially free speech mm-hmm. more seriously and, um, and, and such, but yeah. Anyway. So Matt, Matt, this is what we're getting at. He asked the question, how much would, how much weight should the church be putting into the political process of reforming America? So that's what we're getting at. So, um, the, when I was asking you this question, Mike, I was hoping for a different answer. You were talking about the, the constitution <laughs> being the incredible word of God. That's just, I, I think we all agree. That's not the case. Um, right. and we might have different perspectives, especially in, in law. I'm not a lawyer, I'm not an expert in law, but there are different ways to interpret the law. There are originalists, which are the ones that I prefer, the ones who try to interpret the law based on the original intent, intent of when it was um, written. 
but we actually recently had a Supreme Court um, decision saying that, no, you can actually interpret the law that was written 50 years ago um, in terms that are more comprehensible today. So if if X meant Y 50 years ago and X means Z today, you can interpret X as Z rather than Y, right. um, which is extremely dangerous. And why is that dangerous, Mike? Mike, 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 Mike. You tell me. Okay, it's dangerous because of the provisions and the clauses of different laws that have been passed over the last 50 years that are protecting religious freedom, protecting um, people of, of color and people of different genders. And, and so essentially protects women and minorities in the hiring process and all this. So what was meant, you know, 30, 40, 50 years ago in saying, hey, you have to treat everyone equally um, as far as protected classes, right? So um, persons of color, women, protected classes. That now um, we can say 50 years later that what they had in mind then were also transgendered people um, in homosexual. So you can't fire someone based on them coming out as gay or transgendered, which in itself does not sound bad. However, we talked about this scenario before we came online um, that the Supreme Court did recently um, say that churches and religious institutions can fire people based on religious reasons. So if your theology changes over time, we can fire you. Um, but here's, here's what's going to happen at some point, most likely in the next couple of years, someone's fired um, mm. because uh, as at a church, whether it be a secretary, uh, a pastor or whoever, and they say, Hey, I'm now transgendered. I'm now, you know, I'm now a different gender. And the church has a theology that says, no, there's man and woman. What you are born with at birth is indeed your gender. Mm -hmm. um, therefore, we're firing you based on theological reasons. Mm -hmm. But you can't fire me because I'm transgendered. It's all what they would do. So it will be a battle that will go to the Supreme Court next few years. And based on how the Supreme Court has landed, again, with um, two justices recently appointed by a Republican president, um, one of which who has trended more towards the liberal side was appointed actually by our previous Republican president. Um, it's not a foregone conclusion that we'll win that in a few years. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. Right. For, for example, I'm sure there are many that hear me, you know, trashing on the second amendment. How, how dare a conservative evangelical pastor not fight for my right to own guns. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Isn't that an assumption? Like, <laughs> Um, well, we, my take, my take on guns is whatever guns the, the government has, you should be able to have, because the, the purpose of the second amendment is for a free people to remain free, free mm -hmm. from tyranny, free from the government. So the, yeah. go the government shouldn't, should have as limited power over the people as possible. I think that's what we, they had in mind in the second, um, amendment. Uh, therefore, if the country, if the state has nuclear weapons, you, Mike, should be entitled to have nuclear weapons as well. Um, but I don't think we should have nuclear weapons, period. So right. That's the whole so so, so to, let me follow that through. So let's does civil disobedience for the church include taking up arms against the government? Oh, we're supposed to be talking about SCOTUS, man, the Supreme Court of the United States. Okay, okay so if the Supreme Court starts legislating against us, uh -huh. you know, no matter how many conservative judges we we uh, we put in there, should we start to take up arms to defend our our, our constitutionally given rights? Yeah, well, 
we have to first and foremost make this distinction. Um, let me preface what I'm about to say. I'm not sure you preface. I'm prefacing a preface with a preface. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. I love America. Okay. Mm -hmm. Love America. I grew up a little kid, always wanted to join the army. I thought it was going to be my career until I got called in the ministry eight years into that career. Love America. Two deployments, all about supporting the troops. Love the flag. Stop kneeling for it. You look stupid. Um, you look ungrateful. Let's keep let's keep the national anthem before it, it uh, before all sporting events. It inculcates a sense of pride. I think it can be a godly pride. Um, I think it's a good thing. But I will say this: I am first and foremost, Mike. You and I are first and foremost citizens of heaven. Um, I cherish that citizenship light years ahead of my American citizenship. And mm -hmm. I cherish my American citizenship. That just shows yep. you how much greater um, authority and, and, and value there is in Christ and what he's done. Mm -hmm. um, so I would say this, the Ten Commandments are far uh, more powerful and greater to me than what we see in the United States Constitution. However, second is the United States Constitution. So um, we need to defend it. It's, it's an agreed upon rules that we have mm -hmm. as a society, as a country. Don't believe they're inspired by God, but, um, but is there a time? Should we fight against the government? So, I believe so, that I believe that the founding documents, Mike, the founding documents say, like okay. in the the founding documents of this country, say that we can actually we should. It's our responsibility to resist the government when they overstep their bounds. So therefore, if you look at Romans 13 and the submission to authority, well, our greatest authority, whether it's the president, the Supreme Court, all elected officials, whether it is the men and women who, who um, raise their right hand to be sworn into the military, the first, in, the first thing that we agree to, we take the same or similar oath. We say we swear allegiance to the Constitution of the United States of America. We, mm -hmm. we will defend it against enemies foreign and domestic. Therefore, right. that right. right there, foreign and domestic, um, the oath to defend that Constitution, which is the highest authority in this land outside of Christ Jesus himself, mm -hmm. well, we do have the authority, I think, to resist the government when, um, when needed. By force, with force, um, and I, I, I'm see. Are you? Do you distinguish between your citizenship and your being a Christian? So, for example, at, how do I want to put this? So, all right, the government is obviously, you know, and let's say that they're anti-Christian, anti-church. Yeah, they, they are, are. anti-church. They are anti-Christian. Yeah. Right. So and, then, and, and we find it's time to resist. Okay. okay. Are are you resisting with guns or, or whatever as a citizen of the United States or as a member of your church? Like, would you as a pastor call your congregation to bear arms against the government in support of constitutional rights? I want to be very careful about what I say here, Michael. Miguel. <laughs> um, wait, is it time to go to the Lou Going article yet? <laughs> no, no. I'm sorry. This is just fascinating to me. So I'm like, I want to run down this trail a little bit. Um, I need to think more on it. 
I need to think more. I, I'm not saying yeah. no, and I'm not saying yes. I think it's something. So I guess by not saying no, I'm saying that there's the possibility, right? right. So I think I think the situation has to arise and we have to assess. Um, you know, there are many, and I don't know how many how many who are listening or, or watching understand this. There are many within Christian circles who believe even the the American Revolution was uh, was unwarranted. That it was something that um, was ungodly. Um, Mike raising his hand is one of them. I wrestle with that. And I know that I wrestle with that because I'm influenced by the history that I've learned as an American citizen by my um, diehard patriotism, my love for my country. I don't want to admit that that could be a possibility. Um, Yeah. And and, and let me say, I I raise my hand because I I lean heavily in that direction mm -hmm. that I don't think that we necessarily should have gone to war over over what we did, but at, at the same time, king, the king was a tyrant and needed to be dealt with in some way. Well, and uh, I do think, I do think, so to defend you, Mike, right? Because someone might go, well, Mike hates America. And that's what I'm secretly saying in my head. Although I know that would be, um, <laughs> that'd be mischaracterizing your position, but that's what we do here on Bible banter. Um, I know, Mike, that uh, many in your camp would easily say, and I respect this, that God uses even the sins of nations to bring mm-hmm. about good. 100%. One, and I, something similar was running through my mind. Mm-hmm. You know, bad choices can still bring positive results in the kingdom of God. Mm-hmm. Um, for example, through Bathsheba, we eventually get to Jesus. Mm-hmm. You know? Um, but you know, I, I'm thinking about what Nathaniel said. I see no examples in the New Testament or the early church up through the time of Constantine where the church violently resisted the Roman Empire. It's difficult to conceive of a more hostile country to Christianity than Rome. And that just brought me back to, and I appreciate, you know, Moose's kind of pushback on this, but I wouldn't even say that God has given us the Second Amendment unless you think that our founding fathers were God mm-hmm. or speaking for him. Well, some, I mean, some might think that some so i do i mean you, you said it no one explicitly says that the constitution is is breathed out by god um but we sure act like it sometimes right um, and so now but but then again i think there are good faithful brothers and sisters in christ that can make an argument for self-defense in scripture and i would even be a self-defense guy that's why i may or may not own some firearms in my home um Maybe for hunting only, maybe not. I'm not being committal in public right now because I don't want to be challenged. But at the end, at the end of the day, um, I really struggle with Christians being so quick to say, I'm going to defend my faith or my church's rights violently with violence. I... I- it's something that I likewise feel uncomfortable with, Mike. Um, but again, I, I don't want to shut the door on anything because we never know what's going to happen. Um, yeah. So there could come a time where that where that is required. Um, but let's get back to SCOTUS, man, because we had yeah. a really good discussion before he came on. And I think it's going to be edifying. Um, yeah. and, and we're really going the route that, that Kevin DeYoung got into some heat for about three or four weeks ago when he wrote an article uh, essentially chastising um, evangelicals. 
in in the sense that he was saying, listen, over the last 50 years, what we have done as evangelicals is say, listen, if you want greater religious freedom, if you want to reverse Roe v. Wade, if you want um, some other protections, I, I kind of forget what they are. Maybe you'll remember. Um, if you want these things, we have to vote Republican. And right. in voting Republican, they will give us conservative um, Supreme Court justices that will reverse Roe v. Wade, will give us, will stop any sort of, of religious persecution. We will win the culture war. And I think Kevin DeYoung took some heat in saying, maybe we should try having more kids. Mm-hmm. Maybe populating the country with more Christian kids will do better than voting for Republicans who give us these Supreme Court justices. And it has made no effect. It's made no dent. Right. And so I waded into, foolishly waded into that discussion. And I, I, I feel, I, I'm not a debater, so I easily got, had my hand, my rear end handed to me. Uh, but at the same time, I, I think I, I struck, I agree with Kevin DeYoung. We're not, we're not doing it legislatively. It's not happening with it's not any, working. It's not working, period. The most I, pragmatic I, person, the most pragmatic people would have to say it isn't working. You can be a diehard conservative, and I'm as conservative as it gets politically. Um, y- you look at it and go, the proof's in the pudding. It's not working. We gotta, right. we got to adjust course somehow. I, I guess I'm just skeptical that having, and again, when he says having more children, I, I understand he's assuming that you're going to raise them at least morally like a Christian. Right. Well, he, I mean, you, if you look at, if you look at yeah. um, Islam, Islam, they have, um, those who are Muslim have more kids than Christians and they are, they are moving to countries. Um, uh, Middle Eastern Muslims are moving to countries in which they are the minority and are projected to, to at least level out um, in the next couple of decades. Yeah. But, but here's, so, here's, where I, here's where I struggle. Because they have so many kids. Well, I, I, I agree, but I don't think it's that easy because also within Islam, if you disagree with mom and dad on religion, we will kill you. Yeah, that's right. Um, so, so, wait, so you're telling me that you don't, you don't threaten your kids? You don't threaten your kids? Like, listen, if you don't get baptized, I'm going to murder. I did that once and my wife was not happy with me. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I never did that. And Erica... Eric is very patient with me, but so so I I I I agree, and I remember John Jefferson Davis at Gordon Conwell kind of made that argument that you know the reason that Islam spreads so fast is because they they're they're like rabbits, <laughs> you know they're just having babies all over the place. But at the end of the day, they're also raising them in a very authoritarian fear, and they don't allow any other type of thought. You know, um, and so I don't. Christianity is a much more grace-based, um, trusting on the Holy Spirit to do what He's going to do. To to, I don't. I honestly don't think. And I guess my theology of the end times. I don't believe that that's going to be an answer. However, I will say, I think people should have more than one child at least, if possible, and raise them as if they are Christians, and baptize them. After they've now, Mike, 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 let's be real here. Um, what gives you the right, um, Miguel, to tell people that they should have more than one kid? Because that's what I did, and what I do is always right. 
<laughs> you heard it here first. I love it, Mike. That's good. That that's the kind of dogmatism that we appreciate here on the podcast. You need a sarcasm light that shows up in the top corner. <laughs> it, that would be that would be of no benefit because it would always be on. Because I believe scripture, you know, the whole, you know, blessed is the man whose quiver is full. And again, debate how large is a quiver. Like, uh, but but at the at the end of the day, kids are a blessing. And if you are able to have children, then be fruitful. Um, you know, and and, and I under I get it. Parenting is hard. Pa- children can be a real pain, uh, but they're also a blessing. Um, and parenting is joyful and heartbreaking all in the same two minutes. <laughs> um, well, you know, Mike, it's a lot easier to parent children if you pawn them off on the public school system like you guys do. <laughs> Actually, I'd harder, my friend. <laughs> um, I th- Kevin DeYoung has like nine kids, and I think they homeschool. Did I ever tell you I so my a, a good friend of mine is the pastor of the the uh, church here and they've got like seven hundred people whatever. Um, I thought you were gonna say seven hundred kids. And he he has you know like eight nine children and one one Easter they set up one of those uh, you know backgrounds in their foyer to take pictures with church family and families would gather and they take a picture of him and so they post on Facebook a picture of him with his family. And they had to like zoom out to fit everybody in. They didn't even fit behind in front of the background. And so I took a, I clipped it from Facebook and emailed him. And I said, when your pastor takes being the Easter bunny so seriously, he can't even fit in front of the, the background. Because <laughs> uh, they multiply like rabbits. That's exactly. Um, that's a deeper level that some people didn't quite understand. Yeah, that's a good joke. I get to interpret for the rest of the people. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, so SCOTUS, man, back to SCOTUS. There, yeah. there have been, we talked about this, there have been three in the last few months um, mm-hmm. decisions that have been unfavorable to Correct. the church. Um, Correct. Extremely unfavorable. Yeah, definition of gender. And these are, th- gender. these are things yeah. that we said for the last however many years when these cut when these things come up we will win because we have the conservative justices we have the conservative justices we have what we need and we lost yeah and 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 one of them at least was from a very surprising area the the gender issue was a shock of from gorsuch Mm -hmm. like i think that was the most shocking Mm-hmm. I, I'm less and less shocked by how Justin. So Justice you Roberts you plays. know more about this decision than I do. So please um, do your thing. Share share a little bit about. I, it. I may be I may be giving errors that I understand most, but basically it's around how you what does the you know discrimination about based on gender I believe in or set or sexual orientation or gender. No, I think it's based on gender. And so the debate was does gender include homosexuality and the whole lgbtq camp mm-hmm. and so for some reason i can't remember his argument but he wrote the like the the majority opinion gorsuch basically said yeah be, according to day, today's standard s- sex or gender whatever the word is that's used does include the lgbtq community mm-hmm. which is absolutely bizarre because when when that um, protection was written in the civil rights movement, they were not thinking about LGBTQ stuff. Right. So now because they are protected, 
Um, you can't if if you have a pastor on staff, and actually this happened, this happened in Canada. This is in America, but this happened in Canada, um, where a pastor uh, went from I forget if it was female to male or male to female, but essentially they came out as transgender. And I can never keep track of of how the how the equation works, but um, they came out as transgender and they were fired from their church. Mm-hmm. Um, you can no longer do that in the United States of America, according to the Supreme Court ruling, I believe. Well, if you're a secular entity, there are some that are banking on the religious protection rights document or whatever that would protect churches still. But it's and not guaranteed. So- but it's not. I th- it needs to be. It needs to go through the courts. It needs yeah, to be tried. So, we, in the court. so it, which means that and this is how crazy the system can work, is that until that actually happens, so until Mike comes out as Michelle, and the good folks over at BHAC um, fire him, her, um, and then Michelle takes that to the Supreme Court, then it will be decided on whether right. or not that was legal. And, and it's at that point that the church will have to pay you back restitution. Um, oh, yeah. That found- would be fair. Honestly, unless like Ameri- uh, what is it? Alliance Defending Freedom or Liberty Council or whatever, unless they take that up for you and don't charge you legal expenses, even just the, just the court, the, the legal issues are going to sink a church, most churches, mm-hmm. unless your insurance covers it. Right. Um, but it's just, it's just waiting. Um, and so we're not talking about getting rid of equality laws, but being able to live faithfully to scripture in the midst of, you know, em- having employees or even church members. I mean, heck, this could even go towards having a member of your church decides to do this and you practice church discipline and have to excommunicate them. And then they bring that. That's not OK for you to do because yeah. because of whatever. And again, um, going back to J-Mac, listen. The Caesar has no authority over the local church, how we practice the faith. Um, so all of these things, the ability for the, it's ridiculous in one sense that the courts even have the ability to legislate the goings on within a congregation in which um, laws aren't broken. But I guess, you know, laws are, that's, that's more convoluted. We don't have the time for it, but. Um, so that's one thing we do think that you should be, listen, equal treatment, equal rights. Those are things, those are good things. But when you start redefining gender, um, or morality, let's just make it, that's not an equality issue. That's a morality issue. Right, right. Um, Um, so we're going to treat them with dignity and respect. And we're going to say, listen, we love you, but you need to repent. Just like we would say, we love you for, for. You're, you know, even though you're an alcoholic or you're a liar or you're this, that, and the other thing, but you need to repent and work on changing this. But if you refuse to do so, then you can no longer be part of this church. So um, they, uh, good question, Nathaniel, but I want to really get to this SCOTUS stuff. Another item on here is abortion, right? So, um, I, I want to say it was about three to five weeks ago. There was a room by, by SCOTUS. Essentially, um, this is the, they decided not to take up a case. And the reason they decided to take not take up the case on abortion was that it was settled already by a previous case that I believe happened last year. And, and the situation is such that 
Um, it was one of the Southern states. It could have been Alabama or Louisiana where um, they were passing a law. The state legislature was where to have to, in order for a doctor to perform abortions, they had to have admitting privileges at right. a local hospital, which right. means they have, they have to be able to, you, just because you, you have an MD doesn't mean you can go work at any hospital you want mm-hmm. for a number of reasons. Doctors have to have what they call admitting pr- privileges where um, you're Dr. Reynolds, you can practice medicine at our hospital. So right. they essentially have to have the ability to practice medicine at another hospital in order to perform abortions, regardless of, of term. It makes complete sense in my mind. A hundred percent. I couldn't agree more. However, they decided um, the Supreme Court did last year, again, a, 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 a majority conservatively conservative appointed um, Supreme Court decided that you and you and I, Mike, does not make sense that that law because it puts too great of a burden on those seeking an abortion. So uh, the right to murder babies is greater than the the care right. for the women seeking to murder and, their babies. And I would argue, it, it, no, it, it puts more of a burden on those seeking to perform abortion. Right, but the Supreme and, Court, in their decision, that's what the, that's what they said. So fast forward to a few few weeks ago, um, I believe it was Texas. Don't quote me on that. It was another it was another state similar to that. They were trying to pass a law that was almost the same, and um, the Supreme Court over. I think it was like a seven to two decision. It might have been mm-hmm. six three. So it was more than just a five four split. It, right. it was a six three seven two decision where. Um, they said, we're not going to take this issue up. It's already been decided. It's too close to this other case. Therefore, when you hear that, you also hear that if, if any hopes of seeing a reversal of Roe v. Wade is impossible with the Supreme Court that we have right now. Everything that our political allies promised us is now defined as impossible. So I say, because so many people, um, you know, casted their vote in the last election and in other elections, even though they disagreed with someone on other things, maybe they thought their character wasn't fitting for a leader of such stature. Um, they said, well, I'll hold my nose for the greater good in order to get the Supreme Court justices we need in order to secure what would certainly be a God glorifying event where we see the reversal of Roe v. Wade. That is no longer the case. They have said it is now settled law. The only way to reverse Roe v. Wade is to pass legislation through the legislative branch and then signed into law by the executive branch. So, dude, our hopes and dreams of winning the culture war. um, Politically. Politically are dashed. They are no longer there. See, and and this is where... I love, but but I also struggle with Kevin DeYoung because I don't think he would be considered a, a post-millennialist. And a post-millennialist would say that, you know, the gospel is going to change things and things are eventually going to get better because the gospel is spreading and taking over communities and this, that, and the other thing. But I'm pretty sure we are, most of us, post-millennialism is a, a more minority view, although Doug Wilson is kind of bringing a resurgence. Mm-hmm. Uh, and to right is bringing a research. Are you a fan of Doug Wills? Sometimes yes, sometimes no. Okay, same, um, same. But, uh, but the reality is we have to understand that 
I don't know that we can actually influence culture as Christians anymore. I think we might be able to in smaller sections, like maybe in little smaller communities, but countrywide, I'm not entirely sure that that's going to happen. Well, I, I do agree with the po- – I'm not post-millennialist. I'm, I'm Amil, but I think um, – I do appreciate what they bring to the table, and I do think that there is merit to the argument that as someone comes to faith, their life will change. It might not change immediately. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, their motives will change immediately, but, um, you know, if someone's, someone spends 30 years living in a certain way, um, you know, they have to spend time fighting against that, you know, the sins of their life. They've been freed from them. They've been freed to follow Christ, but it's only by mm-hmm. the grace and mercy of, of God given to them that they can overcome it. Therefore, um, there will be reformation. There will be personal reformation as one comes to faith that grow in the faith. Um, so it is the preaching of the gospel that will change the culture. Um, it's not going to be the, the executive branch. If we right. want to protect our privileges, which I'm okay doing. Um, and if we want to see the end of today's genocide, which is the murdering of unborn babies, which I do think we need to do then we have to do such in a way that is different than what we're currently doing because it's not effective. It's not working. If you told me that, that what we needed to do to end abortion was to vote for president Trump in the next 100 elections, I would do it in a heartbeat, but it's just the proof is in the pudding. It's not going to work. Um, The promises made have not been followed through with in my lifetime. And I've lived for three three different Republican presidents. Mm-hmm. Right, yeah. And, and that, I remember a seminary professor made that argument. Um, and he was, he was super frustrated. He was like, we've had, you know, Republican presidents, but abortion hasn't changed. We've even had majorities in the House and the Senate, and it's still rule of the land, law and, of the land. And that, to me, is the most asinine thing. If you have, if you have the majority in the presidency so if you have the majority in in congress and the senate and you have the white house there is absolutely no reason one of the reasons why i really thought president obama made a mistake in his last term in passing obamacare wasn't um fundamental problems with the legislature it was that he had the ability he had like two years to accomplish what he what he wanted to by having a majority in both houses but he literally waited until the last minute when Um, and tried to jam it through right before he lost the house so um, I believe it was out of the house or the senate I forget forget which one he lost so um, it is incredibly important for us to to, I think and be engaged in politics at at certain times but um, and work with people on all sides of the aisles on things that we have commonality in but it seems like the the folks who've been telling us um, and I've listened I'm 32 years old I've listened my whole adult life i've listened since i've been a christian hey brother just do this and and they've made their promises it's like i this is what i feel like mike and i don't want it's like when when you have an abusive dad or abuses uh, abusive person in your life and they say I'm, I'm sorry i won't do it again i won't do it again and it's like oh okay and you go back to them and they do it again they beat you they beat the living snot out of you and they're like, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm really sorry. I'll, just, just, just come back. Okay, I'll come back. And then it's a cycle that keeps repeating. Moose is saying it's time to, it's a time for a call to arms. 
I like the tongue in cheek. <laughs> That's good. That's good. So, and this is why I kind of lean towards I like more than just Republican Democrat options. I, most other countries have more than two parties. Yeah. Why? Why do we have two parties? It makes because if you look at the Democratic Party, if you look at the Republican Party, you can clearly see that there are fractures in both parties, um, on on different lines, on very different lines. So I don't understand why we can't just have more than binary options. I believe in binary options when it comes to gender, and that's assigned at birth. But I do not believe in binary options when it comes to politics. Hashtag non-binary. <laughs> so, Mike, let's get to let's get to Lou's article, um, but, but, because this was really the main topic of our show until we got sidetracked. Although I think it was a good sidetrack. Um, I agree. Yeah. So, you know, I want people. Hey, we are trying to have these conversations with grace, um, charitably. I think I think you can hear in my voice, maybe Mike's voice, a little bit of frustration, just because everything that we've been promised has been ripped out from under us underneath us. It's like Lucy pulling out the football on Linus um, yeah. or Charlie Brown. Rather. Um, I feel like Charlie Brown and I've been on my back my whole life. Yeah. I, I would say probably our, our, our frustration is more towards a, what, what can we do? <laughs> it's just like, yeah, I'm not the guy to lead that. I, I don't know. I don't know. You know, I don't, I, we need a prophetic voice. Maybe it's John MacArthur. Um, maybe right. it's Doug Wilson. Maybe, maybe it is. Maybe it is. I'll, I mean, heck, I, I'm more than happy to have them go and, and fight that battle, and I'll, you know, give, give them some prayer support. I'll listen. I'll, you know, yeah. I would love to hear some of these um, influential key evangelical leaders um, who think about things biblically. I would like for them to lead the charge in a more biblical – help us strategize. I will willingly follow, convince me. But what I have been what I've been told in my last 30 years just has not proved to be true. I love what our brother um, Nathaniel Bickford said earlier. Our hope is not in politics. It is in Christ. So right. um, so even in the midst of our frustration, our frustration yeah. should drive us to the cross. Right. And I think that's the best political sermon that we could ever preach is from some Nathaniel. Help me out here. But some trust in horses. Some trust in princes, but we trust in the name of the Lord. Boom. Bingo, bingo. <clears throat> no. um, all right. And, and Moose is, is right. Unfortunately, the, the liberal position it now requires, a litmus test for being a liberal is you agree and support pro-choice, pro-abortion. And to um, me, if I'm, if, I'm the, if I'm the liberals, what does it matter at this point? You've won. You, I mean, the liberals have won the abortion argument. We, I mean, we just can't, or not the argument, but the fight. Right. We yeah. can't do any. We have been, we've been defeated. We've been defeated. Um. All right, Mike. Lou, going. My man. He is. He is. One of my favorite people. Mm-hmm. So. Amen. Let's um. I'm pulling up his article right As now. As am I. So his article, which is aptly titled There and Back Again, which for those who um, are fans of Tolkien, whether the movies or the books, you'll understand that There and Back Again was the name of the book written by Bilbo Baggins in 
uh, The Hobbit. And then the subtitle is a reconstituted conditionalist tale. I love, I love this. I love this. Um, uh, I, I, I just want to share the opening line because I just, I just love it. He says, my apology to J.R.R. Tolkien and Bilbo Baggins, but I do feel a bit like I have been on a journey from what I once found true and meaningful for an adventure of exploration that left me for a time convinced that what I once found true and meaningful was wrong. Yeah. I yeah. love that opening line. You know, the, one of the reasons why I loved this article was being in the Advent Christian, Northeast Advent Christian denomination for as long as I was. And, and you know, unfortunately, people talk and hearing, you know, from, through the grapevine, because he mentions this, the Malleus, the, the Malleus forum that they had tried to start to kind of, you know, get something going. Uh, my uncle was part of that, that group. And so, you know, I heard little, little bits and pieces about some of the things and, and the changes. And so this kind of gives a backdoor glimpse of, of what was going on. So you had heard through the grapevine that Lou had um, changed his views on conditionalism. Right. And, and I, I still loved him because, I mean, he was my theology teacher at Bix, Berkshire uh -huh. Institute for Christian Studies. And he's a solid teacher. I agree. It grieved me, but I wasn't as brokenhearted as some others may have been. Yeah. Um, and I think, but, mo mod like, modernly, if you talk to other people within our circles, as far as ever Christians are concerned, he is one of the most well-respected um, theologians in our denomination presently that are still alive. Right. Right. And, and so to then, to then hear his most recent update that, oh, he's come back around. I was like, that's pretty cool because you don't often hear about that. Uh -huh. So you didn't know until this article came out that he came back around. No idea. And granted, I haven't talked to him. I mean, because I mean, here's 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 the honest truth: is I don't find myself worthy to talk to Lou Going. <laughs> <laughs> I am not of that caliber of of pastor, of thinker, of Christian to hold a candle to to Lou Going. So, well, Lou, I'm posting the article right now. Luke would would totally disagree with you. Um, he is a humble man. He is a he is a tremendous oh, man. He's, he's, he's humble. This is this is totally my fault. Yeah. So, but I, I say that to say I'm a part of. So Lou, um, Lou helps host a group that I've that I've coordinated. That's mostly guys down here in the south. Um, that's a the theological reading group that a few of us have been doing, and we've been reading um, Murray's book, um, Redemption, Accomplished and, and Applied. And he is, he is, he takes his time to, to go through it with us. He's so kind to, to many of us, um, especially those who uh, haven't, uh, some haven't gone to, uh, in fact, I don't think any of us have, have a seminary degree just yet. A couple of us are enrolled in seminary um, and a couple haven't even gone to Bible college. So it, it is incredibly influential to have a man of his stock um, to come and lead in such a discussion. And absolutely, absolutely. Um, so give us a synopsis of the article and why it's important. And why it's important? Yes. Um, synopsis, he grew, grew up, hold on, my dog just got wrapped up in some cords. All right. Um, okay. he, he grew up, essentially, he grew up in some Advent Christian circles and went to Berkshire. It came out true blue conditionalist. Um, 
And then over the years, you know, in thinking things through and reading some some influential guys that we would all respect, like a John Piper and and others that disagree, and like how can these stalwarts that I agree with so much not see this? And so he started to question, and as he humbly admits, he fell for. Um, I forgot the term he uses, but basically they must be right because I respect them and because they're, they're intelligent and almost like caving to the celebrity culture in fa- and, and theology. Um, but then he slowly finds his way through the scriptures, um, you know, to back to conditionalism. Um, and basically it's this wrestling with do I believe what I believe because of the people that are teaching me or do I believe what I believe because it's consistent with scripture? Right. And that's key to me. And the whole theme of the article is believe not based on admiration, but believe based on careful study of the scriptures. And he even Mm -hmm. leads. And that's what makes this article so unique is he doesn't only tell you a story of uh, where he's been. He doesn't just tell you his story of being there and back again. Um, but he also tells, he shares his exegesis, his study of the Bible and how he got to where he is today. I, um, I think we all suffer from a similar syndrome that he shares in that article, which is theology by admiration. And that is to buy into, excuse me, hook, line, and sinker, the beliefs of another person simply because you admire them. Um, He said that's how he came to many of his beliefs when he was at Berkshire. And then um, also, you know, that's how he ended up um, moving away from conditionalism. And it was, it wasn't until he really got deep into the text upon careful study and meditation that he came back to conditionalism as the biblical reasoning. So I think that's incredibly encouraging. I think we all need to be careful not to fall into that same trap. I mean, if Lou going can fall into that trap, um, believe it or not, Mike, you can as well. No doubt. I, you know, and to be honest, I totally identified with where he was because I've wrestled with many things, you know, like that because of mm-hmm. who, who believes it. Mm-hmm. Like, for example, I got to spray my dog. She's eating a plant. If spray um, for, example, for example, infant baptism. I love R.C. Spool. How could he baptize babies? Maybe I'm wrong. <laughs> So, so Mike, Mike, let, let's unpack this a little bit. Let's unpack this a little because I'm yeah, interested um, because one of the, I find this very strange. I've had this conversation with Bickford and others that um, of the things that we take hard line, hard lines on as Advent Christians is believers baptism. Yeah. Um, and with many of us who are in the reformed camp, um, I've been told by some, by some dear brothers and sisters that uh, as, as soon as you become a Calvinist, it's only a matter of time until you come to infant baptism. Um, so uh, has that been something that you have struggled with over time? Um, a l- yes, and a little bit, but not really. What I've struggled with is in, in church membership, whether or not we should require um, people to not necessarily be, I think we should require believers baptism, but should we require you know, let's say someone comes in and they and they were baptized as a believer, but they've changed to believe in infant baptism. Why they would attend Blessed Hope Church? Well, partially because there's not any real evangelical good 
Cato Baptist churches in this very area. There's one that may be good. I don't know too much about them, but at the end of the day, do they have to believe in believer's baptism to be part of our church? And so I've wrestled with this, uh, this idea. And, and in that wrestling, like, um, do I agree with believer's baptism? And so I'm always evaluating. I'm never assuming that I I'm right. Mm-hmm. I, um, a couple of years ago, we did a series at, at Oak Hill, my last church, um, in Ephesians. And there was a commentary that I read. In fact, I got it here. Um, a commentary that I read on Ephesians, on the family. It was in Ephesians 5. And in that moment, I, I, when it came to baptism, everything I knew came into question regarding believer's baptism or pedo-baptism, baptizing infants. And um, I'm still I'm still a firm believer in believers baptism, um, no pun intended. But mm-hmm. there are times because you know many of us who are reformed Calvinistic, we read a lot of Presbyterians and they baptize babies. And there's a big difference between how the the, the reason the theological reasoning for baptizing babies for um, Presbyterians is a big difference between Lutherans and Roman Catholics and Methodists. The stark differences. We're not talking about like small nuances. There are large differences. So I think that out of all of the cases I've heard for um, infant baptism, the most convincing, although it has not convinced me, is the Presbyterian um, view, which is covenantal. You know. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. I'm sorry to distract, but my this is what my dog is getting into. She climbed into my fireplace. Why? That behind the the chain, yeah. Like, wow, that... I and and by the way, she just peed in my office. Yeah. <laughs> I'm telling you, I'm telling you, having a, a dog, a rescue puppy. She's only seven months old. The similarities between that and a two-year-old are so close, except. Uh, and so now she's. She- she's whining because she's stuck in there she doesn't know how to get out mike do we have to end the show so you can uh take care of your dog <laughs> what is going on i mean she obviously doesn't have to go outside to go to the bathroom she just peed in your office yeah so that's what i'm gonna be doing when i'm done here we're gonna clean your office um so it doesn't smell like dog pee <sighs> does she have to go outside she she might but um well let's let's end the show so no, we don't, can, don't 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 let me be your your killjoy. Uh, well, you're you're killing everybody's joy. Um, <laughs> <laughs> although my wife, uh, if she's still watching, is probably thinking the poor puppy. Um, yeah, it is. She she is a sweet dog, but she's still a puppy, and still learning what's appropriate and not appropriate. So 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 Michael, if uh, so if we come to this belief, right? So so say I I fall under the Presbyterian view of infant baptism. Um, do you think, do you think Lou and how he handled it is the right way? Would you exercise a little bit more caution or less caught or, or, or less caution as he did? Um, Cause he shared with his congregation, like, listen, I'm, um, you know, I'm telling you, I don't believe uh, at this time what is in our statement of faith. Do I still need to be your pastor? You know? And they, they said overwhelmingly, yes, we don't want you to go anywhere. Right. If I, if I came to a conclusion, 
I think it is the right thing to do to at least start with your leadership in your church and say, this is where I've come. And I would say even, I don't know how much of you, you need to keep them abreast of your, of your um, process, so to speak, because you don't want to rattle people necessarily. But if you come to a conclusion and it differs from the hell, the hell, what, what your church believes, then I think it is ethically and morally right to inform your leadership and then discuss with them where to go next. I agree. So, so, so you're and saying so I, once, you, I, once you get to a definitive conclusion, not when you're in the process. Right. I think it is unethical for a pastor who has a different theological view than the church to come in and unless the church invites them to come in and make changes, but to come in and take them out of the denomination or make all of these changes, unless the church is inviting in them, them in for this purpose. Mm-hmm. You need to have much more humility when it comes to the theology of a church. And maybe you need to, you know, and, and be honest with them. Like I've made a change and I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to respect your beliefs. But I'm going to be teaching in this direction and, and just, but being honest, I, I find it unethical when pastors come in knowing they have a difference of theological opinion or understanding and come in and just, uh, you know, take the church where they, they think it should go regardless of, of the, the church's history and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and then again, but at the same time, um, I would have to say it's not unethical if you came in and you candidate and saying, by the way, I am a Trinitarian. I am going to preach Trinitarianly. Mm-hmm. You know, you have to be honest. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I, my, one of my goals is to bring us into Orthodox Trinitarian theology. Like as long as you're upfront with it and everything, but to kind of take a church and then say, oh, yeah, by the way, I don't believe any of this. We need to go in a different direction is, is unethical. I agree, 100%. As the kids say, 100. I'm with it, 100. Like, for example, I probably wouldn't, you know, if I was looking for another church job, I would not apply at a Presbyterian church. Rather than go into that church and say, by the way, we need to become believers' baptism. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> not smart. Um, and yeah, probably, you know, I would spot yeah. on, straight fire over here. Yeah. And, and I would say absolutely, but then it also takes, you know, some integrity from the pastor that they choose to say, I'm going to respect you. And we've had some of that here in, you know, where I am, like a pastor doesn't agree, but, you know, he, he comes from like another denomination and he doesn't agree, but he's not there to change their theology, but they're very aware that he doesn't agree with it. And there have been pastors who've come into Advent Christian churches who said they weren't going to lead the church out of the denomination they have. That's very disingenuous. Um, However, to be charitable, I don't know the situations personally. I've only heard of them through the grapevine. But there is the potential where they were up front to begin with and said, I don't plan on taking the the church out of the denomination. And all of a sudden, the church gets this teaching and goes, ooh, maybe we should leave the denomination. So that's a different story. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, Palmer, we, we desperately... We desperately need to pray for more workers. As Jesus says, the, the fields are white for harvest. Um, not only do we need more, more workers in our local churches to carry the gospel into the community, but also um, vocational pastors where, um, and the reason vocational pastors can be so important and 
um, such a God promises them. Paul promises them in in um, Ephesians four, and it's for the purpose of equipping the church. Um, they often spend years off in study to land on certain things, stay abreast of so many um, topics and and how to lead and, and all this other stuff. That we need those individuals to come into the church and help lead congregations, disciple, um, and whatnot. And we have a dearth of of folks. Um, we have we have a big absence. So the only thing to do is is to pray and, and seek to raise them up. And and hey, just a shout out to those folks that are involved at Berkshire Christian College, um, Mike, Alex, uh, MTI, um, uh, 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 Matt. Uh, um, Matt Larkin, Larkin who is, I forget his title, but it's like the director of church leadership development or something like that. So um, if anybody knows of somebody interested in, in ministry, uh, you can go to berkshire.edu and find more information on the, the different things that we offer, especially a, a solid scholarship to Gordon Conwell Theological Seminary. Um, or, or the newest thing that we have is a denomination, at, you know, through partnership with ACGC and um, Berkshire is the Ministry Training Institute, which you can go to mtiprogram.com or becoming a past, becomeapastor.org, and you can find more information there. So if you know of anybody or you yourself are interested in this area, uh, jump on there and, and find more information. Let's get it. Let's get it. Free advertising right here mm -hmm. on Bible and Banter with Mike Alex. The, are you the president of the board? I'm not like the president. Glenn Rice is the president. I'm just the chairman of the board. That's what I meant. I, I, you know, yeah. So tomato, tomato, potato, potato. Exactly, tomato, potato. Um, so what do you do as the as the the executive director of Berkshire Christian? I'm not the executive. I'm chairman of the board. Uh, same thing. I work in consultation with Glenn, and basically, Glenn as president is the employee of the board of trustees, and so we work together. You know, he runs things by me. I, I'm really in charge of getting the, informing the board of things and, and everything. I'm not very good at it, but at least I don't think I'm good at it, but I could do better. I could have more time. But anyway, and, um, you know, and just giving my, my feedback and keeping the board abreast and organizing meetings and chairing the meetings and uh, adding humor in the midst of uh, long, long meetings. So you heard it here first, folks. The uh, rise and fall of our denomination and the training of pastors rests with uh, Mike Alex. So yep. we have you to blame if uh, if these efforts fail. Yes, <laughs> yes, you do. Um, I know I know Glenn very well. He was my pastor for a little over three years. I was his associate pastor and youth pastor, um, suffering under him, not over him, of course. Um, <laughs> I, I, Brian, if we're doing our job well, then yes, we are only spinning out Trinitarians. <laughs> uh, Berkshire's always only spun out for Trinitarians, I believe. They've always been a Trinitarian college, right? They've always had Trinitarian professors and mostly Westminster grads, right? If I've read my Everett Christian history well enough. Mm -hmm. So those are the type of folks you're going to get. And we can probably thank Berkshire for um, some of the reformed influence that we have in our denomination. Um in a in a high view of scripture unlike um some other institutions uh so where was i where was i go oh 
uh, I have the utmost confidence in in Glenn as president of Berkshire. I'm I'm so grateful for his ministry, his work there, um, the support that so many people have had for Berkshire Christian. Um, I mean, I, I pray for them every day. Um, I pray for your efforts in what you guys do because we do need. Um, I, I almost feel this. I, I feel this need on our behalf. You know, uh, Mike, you're about 55 years old. I'm 32. And um, it's our responsibility to carry on the gospel, to work things so that for those who follow us, life will be much better. Um, I don't always feel as though that is the case with the generation that was preceded us, but that's another story. Mm -hmm. So um, we need some radical changes for show. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Anyway. Don't assume because you're 50 that you can't be a pastor. Boom. Look at Mike. Just kidding. Mike, how old are you? 37. Or wait, I'll be 37 in September. I'm 36. Oh, okay. All right. Well, I thought you were I thought you were a bit older than than I. I'm turning 33 next month. Oh, you're such a pup. I know. Just a little puppy. Kind of like your puppy. Like in the office. I just go around peeing on things. <laughs> 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 like little snide comments um that i mean I, I do want to apologize i shouldn't have said what i just said about the the preceding generation i have not been around long enough to know one way or the other but i can tell you this in my personal experience in the last few years since i've been in the denomination um it seems there's an increasing urgency to see changes made so that we can strive forward in carrying the gospel with a unique advent christian message it's something i'm totally bought into i know you are as well in your capacity as um the chairman of the berkshire council on on um manhood and womanhood that uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> i i'm you know there are so many of us who are who are fighting for um to, to see us move in a positive orthodox direction that will see the gospel taken into the next century um and I'm, and I'm confident in many leaders in our denomination in that way but i know there are some who and i know this just in firsthand experience and conversations that i've had they're just holding on for retirement um and and i pray that if you're only holding on to retirement or or holding out for retirement then you have lost your first love which is christ jesus and carrying on the mission of spreading the gospel i pray for you I pray that um, the Lord stokes in you a fire to continue on in the mission that the Lord has given to all of us. It is a precious mission. It is one that is holy and we'll see indeed, I believe, not because I'm a post-millennialist, but as the gospel is preached, the world will change. Amen. Cool, man. We might have to change the title of the podcast after today from Bible and Banter to Eric hates old people. <laughs> I'm kidding. Um, we're not going to change it, and I don't hate the old people. I love them. Actually, in fact, you I like you just forfeited your retirement room at Advent Christian Village. Um, well, here's. The, are you planning on retiring there? I don't know enough about Advent Christian Village, and, and this is going to get oh. me into trouble because people are going to going to condemn me. But I don't have any plans on retiring. Um, because I'm either either the government's going to euthanize old all old people by the time I'm old, so they don't have Which to pay. Which will probably happen. Um, oh, and um, I probably won't be able to afford to retire. Um, are you on the are you on the pension plan? 
dog you gotta get on that you will be old someday you are absolutely right palma and i pray that i can be as gracious and loving um as many uh as as much as the senior saints the seasoned saints that i've got to know um so uh yeah, my if you want to you want to out of fire, just go by eric reynolds thanks matt rice for for the shout out <laughs> um but so dude i would uh i'd encourage you man get on that get on that pension plan absolutely i'll i'll think about it man you got, you got, <laughs> I will die at the pulpit clinging to my guns. That is it. <laughs> um, there's a beautiful picture that's actually um, depicted by um, Paul Cox, the author over at Reftoons, of bringing Calvin to his pulpit like only a few days, the last sermon he ever preached a few days before he died. Um, I would say this. I don't see a command in scripture for us to retire. Um, who's distracting you? My wife. Oh, my goodness. Is this a good time for the Adam and Eve joke? <laughs> she almost won't knock over the dog's water bowl. <laughs> She's so embarrassed right now. She feels so bad. I love her, though. Thank you for joining the podcast, Erica. Great name, by the way, although your parents misspelled it. It should have been with a K. <laughs> You're welcome. Glad to be here. <laughs> <laughs> so Mark, who is on the pension board, um, says, talk to Don Rutan in Charlotte about the AC minister's pension plan. Oh, wait, I've got all the information. I know I know about it. It's just, if I want to, and I know Dave Ramsey would slit my throat, and so would probably all of you listening to this, but it's about, do I need the money now, or do I need it later? Um, yeah, I do hope to do that, actually, hopefully, if to restructure some things and start putting into that. Here's an idea for you, Mike. I got an idea for you. You ready? So um, write a book and then you might be able to put away like maybe $50 um, for each book that you write for, for retirement. A month or a total? Probably total. <laughs> <laughs> I was looking at the royalties for my book and I, and I thought, um, well, I guess I don't really have to worry about what to do with this money because there's not much of it to go around. <laughs> <laughs> so um, you could do that. Um, but so basically I just told everybody in the world that we have no retirement savings at 37 at 37 years, literally you have like every article I've read about retirement and I've read a lot because I only started saving retirement in the last couple of years. Um, every article is like pretty much if you wait till you're 30, you're up the Creek without a paddle. Yeah. Yeah. I can only imagine what they'd say if you wait till 40. Dave Ramsey says you'll probably have to put away $1,400 a month. Are you serious? $1,400? To get to be like a millionaire in your retirement. Well, who's going to have a million dollars by the time you retire? You know. Anybody who followed Dave Ramsey's and started putting away $500 a month in their 20s. <laughs> that, is, that is insane. Um, I don't know. I don't there's not a pastor that I know that can physically do that, but I don't put away $500 a month. Anyway, Dave Ramsey, you know what Dave Ramsey Ramsey should do? He should donate his money to a pastor's pension plan. Um, that's what he hashtag Dave Ramsey pay pastors pension plan. PPP. I feel like that's a political slogan for something. 
I think there might be some confusion with with that. Okay. Anyway, um, Mark says sell a book, buy cigars. If you're not putting away money for for a pension plan, cigars might not be on the table. <laughs> um, Mike, it's been fun. This is our last show together. That's why that's why I've drawn it out so much is because I'm going to miss you. Um, oh, thank you. I'm probably you. probably not as much as I missed Luke, but I'll miss you. What is Luke going to do without you or when you're on vacation? So Luke doesn't know this yet, although he might be watching by now. I'm not sure if he – although I imagine if he was watching by now, he would probably chime in. Um, he doesn't know this yet, but I'm not going on vacation next week. Oh. Uh, yeah, yeah. So um, because the governor of Massachusetts, again um, – right. yeah, the governor of Massachusetts uh, laying down the law – and if I go to Massachusetts to go handle my dead mother's affairs, I have to first self-quarantine for 14 days or face a $500 fine per day. So um, thank there should you. Be like, there should be like exemptions for like circumstances like you have. There are exemptions. That's not one of them. And it should be. Taking care of your family's, you know, business. That, that's unconscionable. Un- but anyway. Unconscionable. But, you know, yeah, anyway. It yeah. is what it is until it ain't. Right. So, all right, guys, it's been fun. Please share with Mike. I know next week he will be in the comments section cheering us on, probably doing other things um, while he's also watching the show. But, Mike, I have appreciated you. I hope that we can have you on soon again um, so that we can have your lovely wife appear in the background trying to take the dog away so that you're not embarrassed by him being in your office. Such is life. <laughs> so do you guys that's, is that's gonna be like the title that's gonna be the title of my like book about ministry <laughs> when every day it feels like your dog's peeing in your office <laughs> miguel alex <laughs> pastor miguel alex <laughs> cool um all right man well it's been fun it's been real it's thank been you for real having fun. me thank you everybody for watching the show um, especially those who have hung on for the last 93 minutes. You are the best. Go follow us on Apple Podcast. Hit, go find us on Facebook. And if you really love us, and if you are the six people watching right now, how do you not? How are you not already on our Patreon account? Like, I don't understand. You like us this much, and you're not supporting us. I don't get it. So go to patreon.com forward slash Bible Banter um, so that it, we can at least recuperate the expenses um that we are incurring on a month-to-month basis because as mike just shared us pastors are fronting this cost but we can hardly afford retirement till next time god bless take care